Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Hello. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Welcome back. Uh, it's great to have you here. It's great to be here recording another episode for you. I've been a little bit sporadic recently, but I have the best intentions, I promise you. So I'm back again answering another question today about your language learning. So we'll get into that in just a minute. First, a bit of news, lots of news on the way, but I'm going to you know, I'm going to pace myself. I'm not going to give you everything right away. The first thing is that we've got lots of new books of short stories. Uh, myself and Teach Yourself have been working very, very hard to bring these new books out to the market. They are a number of them are available right now in bookshops. If any of you were at the Language Show live in London a couple of weeks back, you would have seen a preview of of them. Um, I am going to tell you about a few of them today, and then I think I'm going to save the rest for another episode just to kind of spread it spread it out a bit you know keep you slightly on the on the edge of your seat so we have just re-released our intermediate books of english spanish and italian so we already have the beginner books which you know and many of you actually will have already will already own my original first edition books of english uh, spanish or italian a uh, short story but we've got we've totally redone the whole thing so they look brand spanking new just like the uh, the books that came out uh, last year they the stories are the they're the, they well they're the, they're the same stories but they've been completely redone completely re-edited completely standardized all of the um, all of the great stuff that we're able to do thanks to the the participation of teach yourself with the illustrations um for the english book we have the these um, this fantastic uh, dictionary um, that we have uh, sort of joined forces with in order to bring proper definitions for all of the words. We've included one new story in there as well. Um, so there's plenty to sink your teeth into. And if you would like to pick up a copy of these books of intermediate stories, then you can find them on Amazon. You just search for Ollie Richards and uh, Ollie Richards short stories. That will get you where you need to go. Um, but that's not all because we've got some new beginner books out. Danish is out. Short Stories in Danish for Beginners is now out. Short Stories in Brazilian Portuguese is now out. And there are others out as well, but I'm going to leave it there for now. So in case you're a Brazilian Portuguese, and I know many of you listening are learning Brazilian Portuguese, and I haven't been able to produce all that much stuff for Portuguese over the years, but I'm really, really happy to have... The, uh, to have Brazilian Portuguese added to the arsenal. Um, I don't know the exact state of these books in bookshops at the moment. It might take a bit of time to get out. I know in um, in Foils in London, you can find the new intermediate books. Um, the, the new beginner books, I don't know if they're there yet. They'll probably, I'm sure they will be on their way. Um, Portuguese and uh, Danish obviously are less, they're not quite as big in the, in the in the world of language learning as for example English or Spanish um, but because there is generally not such a good amount of material available for these for these smaller languages um, hopefully these new books are going to form a, a real staple um, of of um, anyone 
or a staple of material for anybody who happens to be learning those languages. So there we have it, intermediate English, intermediate Spanish, intermediate French, intermediate, uh, sorry, beginner Danish and beginner Brazilian Portuguese. I have all of these links in one place if you'd like to have a look at them. And so if you're on your phone and you can't be bothered searching through Amazon with all the other stuff that they recommend to you, you can go to iwillteachyoualanguage.com forward slash Amazon, and that will take you to my author page on Amazon where you can see those books. And also, if you do go there, you'll see the other books which are available for pre-order, which I don't know if I'm supposed to be telling you yet, but there you go. As a podcast listener, you get access to all the best stuff first. Um, all right, then. I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, the wonderful italki. When I'm not reading, I am speaking, and I do that mostly through italki because you can get professional language lessons very, very easily from the comfort of your home over Skype or Zoom or any of the other uh, plethora of, uh, of uh, what do you call it? What do you call these things? <laughs> I'm not sure what you call them, like phone software that's not right is it like video videos video calling you know what i'm talking about you can, that's how you take your lessons with the teachers from italki and if you'd like to get a free lesson then you can you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson and that will take you to a place where you can get ten dollars worth of free credit which is more than enough to sign up for a couple of trial lessons with teachers of the language that you are learning right then without any further ado let's get into today's questions questions today's question from yuka Hi, Ali. I'm Yuka, a high school student from Japan. I found your podcast about three months ago, and I've been listening to it one by one from the very beginning. So I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Thank you very much. My question is about Japan. You often say uh, you had a hard time in Japan, so I was wondering if I can do something as a high school student who loves language learning. So I, ha so I want to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you. Hi, Yuka, thank you very much for your question. And uh, I think it's really, really cool that you have, uh, you, you've, you've called in to the, to the podcast and you've left me this question. It's great to hear from you. And, and wow, what can I say? You've been back through every single episode of the podcast. You must have spent an awfully long time listening to to my voice over the last <laughs> last few months so it's um it's it's good to hear that you're still that you're still sane even after that much exposure to to ollie um i'm not sure it's a healthy thing to be honest but anyway <laughs> it's a it's a it's great to to hear from you so yeah i mean i've i've often talked about this about my experience in japan and um, learning japanese because it was one of those kind of key moments i think everybody who learns languages has certain kind of key moments on their on their language journey you know they have these they have these moments where something changes maybe they've always struggled with language learning and then they have a, some success and so they're suddenly really confident or it could be the opposite which is what happened to me which was that i had learned lots of languages before spanish french portuguese i was quite confident about my language learning and then when i went to japan i all my confidence evaporated because um you know as what i basically discovered was that learning for for a an a native English speaker learning Asian languages is a totally different kettle of fish to um, to, to learning European languages. And I, I, I was speaking about this the other day. We had a, a meetup here in London, and I was talking with my friend Gareth about Japanese. And I, and I was because Gareth's been learning Japanese for nine months or so, and um, and we were talking about it. And I was saying how 
I just I, my my experience with Japanese is always one of never really feeling like you're getting any better, uh, and it's because the language is very different. It's very deep. It's very broad. There's so much to it, and of course, it's also very very different from from English, and. You know, I think if I was going to start Japanese again from the beginning, I'd have a very different experience of it now because I've learned a number of Asian languages. You know, I've learned Cantonese, Thai, I've learned Arabic. I'm, I'm a much more experienced, mature language learner, if you like. But at the time when I was learning Japanese, I, I really, I, I had coasted, I think, to a certain extent. I was spoiled by the fact that I was living in in London when I was younger with lots of access to lots of friends who spoke different languages, and um, I could easily practice a lot and. I had a great environment to learn those languages, but then when I went to to Japan, I really got hit by reality, and my my reality was that you know I was working in an English speaking environment, so I was speaking English all day. Um, people in Japan, you know, they they they're not natural conversationalists. <laughs> you know, it's not people in general aren't very keen to talk to foreigners. Um, and because I think um, for for a very good reason, actually, which is that, or rather for a very respectful, respectable reason, which is that Japanese people, they actually do often know quite a bit of English. Um, the difference that the thing is that they're not very confident speaking it. And so that because they're ashamed of their own level of English, they feel bad, um, you know, talking to foreigners. It's a very kind of respectable uh, reason for not wanting to to speak that much. But but nevertheless, like it, it is what it is. And so you know, generally, although I, you know, you can obviously practice uh, your your Japanese with people out and about in in Japan, it is um, it's not the kind. It's not like how can I put it? It's not like somewhere like Brazil where people will just chat to you for hours on end just because they like chatting. You know, it's not that not that kind of place. And um, so, my kind of modus operandi of learning languages up until that point ceased to work. I didn't have a, a way to practice speaking Japanese a lot. I was kind of reliant on study and I found that, you know, I tried taking Japanese language classes and I really didn't like them because they're extremely traditional, extremely kind of regimented. I didn't get on with that way of learning at all. Um, textbooks, I, I find I find language textbooks published in Japan to be quite difficult to to use. They're not very user friendly. Um, that it's, I think, you know, in, in English and Japanese people grow up with a, a different kind of approach to to education. And I really found Japanese material, you know, just very uninspiring, and um, and, and not very user friendly. So I was kind of stuck, just trying to do things by myself. Really, I mean, I I kind of found some textbooks that I that I liked. I, I had from time to time some good language exchanges with people who would help but it was it, i found it very difficult to 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 find a reliable way that i enjoyed to keep learning the language but i pressed on and i was learning for you know 2 3 years or so um and then i kind of hit this this classic intermediate plateau where i'd kind of my level was good enough that all the textbooks were too easy for me and and so what i really needed to start doing at that point was to was to speak Japanese a lot, but I, I think because of the environment that I was in, I just I didn't really have that that sort of um, that opportunity. Uh, and it was, I mean, although I was speaking Japanese, it was it was never enough. 
And I think the fact that I never really got to grips with kanji, with Japanese, uh, with Chinese characters, meant that reading was always really hard. And it was just, and it was just, you know, it was, it felt like it, however much I studied, I just never got that sense of really improving. I, I never seemed to get anywhere near where I wanted to be. And, um, and that was the kind of dominating, the, the predominant feeling that I had. And um, funnily enough, I was listening to, um, watching a video, uh, or it was a conversation actually on the on the the Matt versus Japan YouTube channel, one of my favorite YouTube channels. Um, actually, I've got to see if I can get Matt on the podcast actually, because he I really like his way of. He's a young guy, but he's got a very very mature way of thinking about language learning so i'll have to see if i can get him on for a for a conversation uh, but i was listening to a, a interview that he did with one of his um students i think and they were talking about exactly this about the fact that you know it's just a kind of never ending you, you never really see the light at the end of the tunnel with, with a language like japanese whereas if, if you contrast that if i contrast that with my experience of learning european languages you know with a language like french or spanish or something you can you can actually get to a point where you you relatively quickly where you can say enough and you understand enough to take a full part in conversations in those languages but that does, that just never seemed to be the case for me with japanese so that's anyway you that's why i often talk about me having a, a hard time i don't think it's necessarily because um of any particular reason um I, other than the fact that it was a real wake up call for me so for you then you asked an interesting question. You know, what could you do as a high school student to help, I guess, people like me who go to Japan and have a, have a bit of a shock? And wow, what a great question. Now, I think there are a couple of ways that I would approach this. First of all, you know, one of the big problems that I had was having enough kind of easy access to people to practice speaking with. So I would have loved to have, for example, um, kind of uh, language exchange or conversation clubs or things like that where I could go and know that I would, would reliably get good Japanese speaking practice. Now, these things are very difficult to do in practice because, you know, often what happens is you get people who you get people who go to these things who are and, you know, any Japanese people that will go to this type of event would be really, really, like, really like English and they would often insist on speaking English and it can be quite difficult to actually get Japanese practice. I've certainly found that in, in other other countries where I've been to similar type of, uh, of of events. But I mean something that would kind of make give give for foreigners in Japan an, an opportunity or access to just practice speaking Japanese in a more kind of free experimental way would be really, really handy. But I, I know you said that you're a high school student, so I don't know how how practical um or even sensible it would be for you to, to organize something like that. But it's something maybe to bear in mind in the future. Maybe if you go to university, you have some foreign students there and it's something that you might be able to do for them. The other big thing for me is actually access to good quality, interesting uh, study material in Japanese. So there's a lot of stuff for beginners, a lot of textbooks for beginners. Um, but once you get beyond that, there's, there's precious little. You know, and this is something I talk about a lot on the podcast, and it's why I'm, I created my conversations program a couple of years back, um, which uh, which you can find at iwillteachyourlanguage.com. Just go to the courses tab at the top, and you, you'll find conversations uh, available there in many different languages. Um, and I created that because you know everybody on here on this podcast was leaving me messages saying, "Ollie, I am uh, an intermediate 
learner, but I'm finding it really frustrating. I can't push through this this barrier. I find it really difficult to find interesting study material. And that's like this seems to be the experience that everybody has. And and it's I, I certainly had it in Japanese. Couldn't find anything I was interested in. I mean, there is stuff out there for intermediate level graded readers and stuff, but they're so dull. And they all cover the same sort of things, like you know Japanese folk tales and you know all about the tea ceremony and stuff, which is you know it's fine, but it's not the sort of stuff that I'm interested in reading, right? I prefer more conversational, dialogue-based stuff, which is why I made conversations in the first place. Plus, just stuff on generally interesting topics. So one of the things I was thinking for you, Yuka, you know, is how cool would it be if you could actually create stuff that you know, your average foreigner in Japan is interested in about Japanese daily life and Japanese you know, just Japanese life, but create stuff that is study material for people that is at a good, at a, at a, at a, at a good level. So you kind of grade it to a, an intermediate type level. So for example, one of the things that, one of the things, one of the websites I quite enjoy reading in Japanese is Chiebukuro. And Chiebukuro is like, um, it's a bit like Yahoo Answers. Uh, I don't know if that exists anymore, um, or Quora or something like that, where you kind of go on there and you start, um, a, a topic and then people would kind of pile in with their suggestions and their answers and stuff like that and the reason that i like that is because people talk about real kind of daily topics you know so i remember just browsing through once and there was one topic about there was a mother with a with a baby and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a buggy and she was saying you know it's so hard to take a buggy around um, around tokyo on the train because people just don't get out of the way and you know they kind of criticize you for taking up space on the train and stuff like that uh, it kind of seems crazy. But then a lot of people are piling in and say, yeah, you know, it's really inconsiderate to do that because, you know, there's lots of people getting to work and then you are you are taking up all this space on the train and it's already crowded. And if you, you know, if you want to go out, you should take a taxi, either that or you shouldn't have kids in the first place. This is the sort of stuff that, you know, the kind of discussions that were going on on this. But that's exactly the sort of stuff that I want to to read about, you know, not necessarily about taking kids on trains, but this sort of stuff that's relevant to daily life. So what if you could, you could you could create something which is like just articles or blog posts or conversations about stuff that you care about you know as a young person in Japan what kind of things do you think about um, what do you have to deal with what are your what are your areas of, of interest and how is you know what are you what are your opinions on society around you maybe you could sort of write um, little blog posts or or make podcasts like this or something and but do it at a japanese that's aimed at a kind of intermediate level so the people who are at my in my sort of situation where i was then in japan kind of stuck at a kind of intermediate level um something where we could just access interesting materials at the intermediate level so we can actually start to read listen and enjoy what we're what we are uh, the stuff that we're consuming that will be something that you could start doing right away. Um, you can do it from home, just blogging or recording a podcast or something like that. And you would help so many people because that's the sort of stuff that that um, that regular people want to, like that's the kind of Japanese they want to listen to and read. They don't want to read the news. They don't want to read about, um, about you know, Japanese history, you know, as interesting as it is. People want to want more daily Japanese. That's what they want. That's what people want, right? So how can you create that kind of stuff for for people? It's a great question, and uh, and thank you for uh, thank you for asking it. If you would like to leave a question for me to to ramble on about, like I've just done on this podcast, then you can go to iwillteachyouanlanguage.com forward slash 
ask, and that will take you to a widget, a brand new widget, in fact. I like widgets where you can leave your, your question for me and I will answer it on the podcast. That is it for now. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you back in the next episode of the podcast. Throughout doing the podcast, one of the most, one of the saddest things actually that I've heard from people who leave messages for me for the show is that they feel very isolated when they are learning their languages. They'll tell me things like, nobody understands why I care about languages. No one just gets this language passion that I have and I feel very alone. And I know exactly what that is like. I've been through that for years. And that's one of the reasons that I started my Facebook community. Um, And it's a fantastic group with over 10,000, many more by this point actually, over 10,000 language learners, just like you, just like me, people who are learning one language, who are just starting their first journey in language learning to those who already speak far more languages than me. It's a fantastic, supportive community, which is very, very well moderated. And I'd love to invite you to join it's completely free and if you'd like to join you can go to facebook and search for ollie richards fluency mastermind that's on facebook search for ollie richards fluency mastermind you'll need to um, request to be approved but our moderators will approve you and you'll be in on the inside and you'll get all the supports that you need there'll be a place to ask and answer questions Uh, i really think that you will enjoy and benefit from it and i'd love to see you there once again on facebook that is Ollie Richards Fluency Mastermind. I hope to see you there.